I'm Chris Simons, and welcome to the Villachino podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Villachino podcast, where the best stories have not yet been written. Well, we've been gone for a little while, and there's been a lot of things happening out there, hasn't there, Niels? Oh, definitely. Yeah. First of all, uh, welcome back, everyone. We had a bit of a summer break. Well deserved, I, I guess. And it's great to see you, Mike. I haven't seen you in ages. Actually, I think maybe the last time I saw you was when we last recorded a podcast. I'm not entirely sure. Or maybe in between. Yeah, man. I think, uh, well, we did do a photo shoot for Velocino. Oh, yes, exactly. Like uh, just for our website that you can see uh, all the jackets and jerseys and socks and everything you can actually acquire. acquire yeah. And purchase. And- Indeed, and you can uh, also get also get to see a fat man in lycra, which is me. Uh, I'm not quite sure why I was selected as the model, uh, but it's going to add some good comedy value to the uh, the site. That's for sure. You look fantastic. You're so beautiful. And if you don't believe me, anyone just hop over to velocino.com <laughs> and make yourself a big picture. <laughs> oh, mate, it's a proper loving. You're normally taking the mick out of me, so uh, so this is great. This is great. So look. Um, other things that have been happening outside of Velocino is that we've had loads of cycling. Uh, people are back out there again. And we've even just had the world champs. That was fantastic. Have you, have you watched it? It was Flanders and it was so amazing to watch. Sometimes you had the feeling that you were watching cyclists in a, in a stadium or something. The atmosphere was fantastic. Absolutely. And we should definitely say not just in the uh, the senior races, but in the junior races as well. We have congratulations to Marty Mack, one of our um, previous guests and his goddaughter uh, became world champ. That's fantastic. I think uh, this this race, seeing Zoe Buxted winning the world championship title and this being like commentated by her father and by Marty Mack it was absolutely fantastic to see. I, I was, was so, 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 so pleased for them. It was. It was brilliant. But afterwards, you sent me on. A very interesting story. Yeah, that was fantastic. So basically, I found the story about Chris Simons, who was representing Ghana in the time trial at the, the World Championships. And we found out that he is actually living in London. Indeed. And the story looked really interesting. So thanks to the miracle of um, sort of a little bit of online stalking, if I'm honest, uh, we have got Chris here. And so welcome, Chris, to the Velocino podcast. Good evening, gentlemen. Good, Good evening. evening. So great to have you on the show. It's absolutely fantastic. I'm like so, so stoked. Thank you. It's really good. And and so, Chris, so we got this story of this guy from London who's competing for Ghana at the World Championships. And within this story, it actually said you were your follow up race was going to be a time trial just down the road from where we live. So it was it really sort of hooked us in. And as we read through the story, there was so many more interesting things about this that we had to get you on the show. So I guess the first starting point is talking to you and listening to you people are going to be saying this bloke isn't from Ghana is from London and so so what is your connection with with Ghana yeah and um and it's funny you say that because I think there's been some criticism about me racing for Ghana and the fact is my mum is from Ghana and I lived there from the ages of three to four years old so um if I don't qualify for Ghana through my mum uh or my grandmother or my you know is how, how am I going to else am I going to qualify so there was some criticism written about me by some people yeah about really? that really they were criticizing you riding for ghana that that's that's really interesting as we when we look at um sport all sorts of sports people often turn up for different countries with different accents uh, etc so that's really interesting you got 
got that. Was that the British press or was it uh, other cycling press? I think there's some chat forums that I saw. Um, I didn't reply back to it, but uh, at least I can put the record straight here. You know, my mom's from Ghana. I hold a Ghana passport. I lived there for a year. You know, I came back from there only speaking the language. You know, so it's just a bit odd people making comments without actually knowing somebody. Yeah, yeah, that's really sad. Like, especially when you look at um, a lot of the pro athletes in in general like a lot of them don't even live in the countries that they represent it, it, it yeah. it's there's a lot of british cyclists uh living in uh, monaco or like girona and mm -hmm. uh, I, I i don't know if this connection is much stronger just because they immigrated a bit later um mm. which is uh, very, very interesting to see and also uh, i guess we will talk about this later a little bit in this podcast thinking about how you can actually like give back just from representing this country yeah just with the the fact that you are fortunate to pick up cycling here earlier than you would have done potentially when you would have lived in ghana right mm. okay yeah but but then i got on, i only started cycling when i was 30. Ah, what Do you know what? okay this was... ignore everything i just said so, so mate this was going to be my one of my first uh questions because um we we you know uh, in terms of getting into sport, so you, you know, I did hear that cycling wasn't your first sport, but uh, so so what was it that, what kind of sports was it that, that you got into? What, you know, that passion for competing early on in your life? So I, I took up athletics at the age of 12. Uh, that was quite a, a quite interesting year because it was the year I met my dad. And when I met my dad, I told him I liked running and I always liked, liked running. And he, and, uh, he said to me, well, let's approach your mum because I lived with my mum about doing athletics. So I'd have to go on my own and come back on my own. And, um, I started running with Enfield and Haringey, um, at the age of 12. And, uh, I continued that running career up until I was about 30. Well, so, uh, hang on. That's, a, that's a really big club, isn't it? In athletics? Yeah, yeah. We, we, I mean, it was Enfield at the time. Then we joined with Haringey and we was like one of the best in the country. That's why internationally, some great international athletes I trained with. So uh, now, Chris, we, we often get these uh, elite athletes on like yourself who, who often say, yeah, 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 the people I trained with were really good. But so um, what was your running event that you did? What was your main one? So I trained for 800, 1500 metres and steeplechase. And my best for 800 is 153. Uh, 354 for 1500 and the steeplechase 3000 was 926. So... It's, it's national standard. It's not international, but national standard, yeah. Oh, do you know what, Niels? I, I love this when we speak to, to our guests and they're like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't international standard. It's the first thing they say about their own achievements before they then say it was national standard. Mate, that, so... so you, you have to consider you talk to someone here like who needs an hour for, 20, for, for five kilometres. That's not me, that's Mike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so with um, and what was it about the the running that kept you going? Because obviously, um, as you said, you started when you were twelve and, and sort of finished running quite so much when you're in your in your thirties. What was it that uh, what is it you loved about the running and the passion for sport? I think with running, it's just getting out. You can you can get out, enjoy the outdoors at all times of the year. Um, the, the group the group I trained with a fantastic group of guys. Um, no matter what you're going through, you know they would pick you up and get you for a training session one way or another. Uh, the camaraderie was great. Um, just the things that you get up to when you're, when you're runners, you know, I remember as a kid running, running as about 12, 14, we, at Christmas time, we played knockdown ginger. So we'd ring the doorbells and run off 
Our coach never knew we did this. So he'd send us off on a six-mile run, and we decided that Christ- every Christmas we'd, we'd ring the doorbells and run off. You can imagine the people <laughs> <laughs> They'd be livid, and and I think a couple get a phone call complaining about kids running around ringing doorbells from our club. <laughs> <laughs> and it was great, and uh, and and sometimes on the coach, I'll let you to another secret. On the coach, sometimes we we would uh, on the way back from sports events, we would do a little moony on the back window, and <laughs> and it'd be black, white, black, white on the back of the coach. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give no names on that one. But, uh, oh. yeah, it, 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 athletics was was a sport where you had a mixture of cultures, people from working class, middle class, and and it was just a great atmosphere for athletics. It was fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. So, and, and you obviously must have raced for the club uh, uh, and those sorts of things. Like you say, you're hitting the national standard in a in a country where you know the national it, it's a pretty big sport, athletics, and particularly those yeah. those sort of events. So, um, did you ever? Um, think about you know running for Ghana whilst you were doing your running as well yeah so I became I mean I became middle school, Middlesex schools champion when I, was, when I was younger I went to the English schools um, in Blackpool that, uh, when I was about 16 17 I became Middlesex champion clubs champion many times and um, I just thought if I could try I did go to the Ghana trials and I did a 1500 I got third there just never quite cut it in athletics then um, but I was a Middlesex champion, uh, you know, many times and just, just missed it. Something was just lacking in athletics, really. Um, but I was always there or thereabouts, really. Yeah. And, and so at the, at the tender age of 30, because uh, actually you and I are of a similar age, so we can say at the tender age of 30, um, yeah. you decided to take up uh, cycling. So, so what was the, the transition from uh from running into cycling was was that just a we was it just a one day you put your, your shoes away and the next day you got out a bike or was it I think it was a process really I mean I had an operation on my knee on my my right knee um because of doing steeplechase I had a lot of injuries on my heel I had plantar fasciitis and I found that I just couldn't run I couldn't put the miles in anymore I was trying to go up to the marathon so I did a 75 minute half marathon in my second ever half marathon. And I thought if I could bring my time down, I could try and qualify for the marathon for Ghana. And I ended up having a knee operation and a cruciate ligament operation. And I just thought if I could take up another sport, because I still felt I had a lot to give to sport and try to represent, try and qualify to represent Ghana in triathlon. Um, There was a guy in my club called Steve True, and he took on triathlon when it sort of began. He was a bit of a legend. And um, I got in touch with him through the club and he decided to coach me. And I went to the Commonwealth Games in 2006. So it was just, I felt I had a lot more to give in sport. I didn't, I felt for what, what you know, sometimes when you're young, you still feel you have the energy to give a bit more. Yeah. And so riding a bike was, was something I'd never done in my life. Always wanted to ride a bike. My mum was always worried about me getting a bike. So she always put me off. So at 30 years old, that was it. I, got a bike for 100 quid and started to train on it with the aim of trying to go to the Commonwealth Games in Melbourne um, doing triathlon. Yeah. So Wow. This is just so much condensed in this little time frame. This is absolutely crazy. Like, yeah, I, I just I don't know I what just, to start to ask. No, Chris, you... Chris, you almost look to honestly to the to the likes of myself and Niels, You're like a superhero, mate. It's like you know you're super fast at the running, and then you're just like, do you know what? I think I'll do triathlon. And yeah, you know the way you just said, yeah, and then you know competed at the Commonwealth Games. You know, it's just it's such a high standard that you went into. And 
but but it's fascinating you know going into um getting into the bike and the 100 pound bike just out of interest where did was it was it a new bike or was it a used bike that you just bought it was an old one i think it's an old peugeot bike and um there'd been someone in the house of commons who i worked with and her and her partner cycled and they were getting rid of a bike and i happened to just talk to her about i wanted to get into cycling and triathlon and they sold it to me for 100 quid and that, that was my first bike old peugeot yeah well, that was not the bike that you competed with in Melbourne, right? No, no actually, I had, I, I've gone up, upgraded there, Nils. Actually, I borrowed a bike from the local bike shop, Bike and Run, and they gave me a bike to use for Melbourne. That's right. Uh, uh, you yeah. Like, for me, you would have just received legend status now. <laughs> and you would have said, oh, I just competed at the Commonwealth Games on this 100-pound Peugeot bike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Uh, no, so yeah, there you are. So, so what was um? So when you come, so you've obviously gone into triathlon and you started to 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 ride the bike as well, and it's um, it's it's brilliant. But and you you've obviously you you mentioned uh, Steve True. Did he make stay as your coach and and that kind of thing through that that period? Yeah, he stayed my coach for about almost eight to ten years. Steve did, and he say so he's linked to having gay. He was quite a good good uh, almost international standard. And so he coached me for about eight to ten years, and so he's he was a commentator on BBC and and Sky and so on for triathlon, and he also was a coach to many good athletes, uh, and some of them went to the Commonwealth Games in two thousand and six. He was actually looking after the Welsh team, so um, yeah, he he we lived, he lived actually about two or three miles from where I live now, um, so we always lived quite close to each other, and he was he was my swim coach as well, actually. Mm. Oh, brilliant. Oh. It's just incredible that you you know you change sport and then you manage to, to to then compete at a national and international level, which is it just absolutely uh, uh, astonishing. Uh, I, and I have to say, having followed you on Instagram um, since hearing this story from Niels and wanted a little more, you've got some fantastic photos from that time of you and some really famous people all competing together. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was. You know, sometimes you know you read in history of famous battles that take place and the legends that turn up. And at that 2006 Melbourne Games, you had the Olympic champion Hamish Carter, you had Tim Don, Carter Felt. The, the, the list was endless. I don't know if you'd ever get a race like that again. We had all these great triathletes from past and present and future all lined up uh, on the start line, and I was there, and, and that was fantastic. You know. How does that feel? You know, like, uh, <laughs> like, like, do, do you not just? It must be like a spe special feeling because you know all this, like, stuff that's going on at the time, and then you know all these people, and you're like, oh shit, <laughs> I, I, I'm also here. <laughs> how, how does that feel? Like, I, I just would like to understand, like, what's going through your head, or do you, do you then just say like, okay, it's it's race time. I just switch this all out and I just like That's focus it. on myself yeah and you know what the day before a couple of days before the race I actually swam in the um, St Kilda Bay and I could not swim in that bay the waves were too big and I was getting really panicky if it was going to be a wetsuit or a non-wetsuit swim and um, on the morning of the race I think it was 23 degrees and they allowed it to be a wetsuit swim and I remember being in the tent and there was some of the athletes, I'll say no names, some of them I was praying, I thought, God, please make it a wetsuit swim. And they came out and they said it's going to be a wetsuit swim. And you could see the faces of those who wanted it to be a wetsuit swim and those who didn't want it to be a wetsuit swim. And some, some of them, I won't say names, some of them walked out of there angry because they knew if they had been <laughs> a non-wetsuit swim, they could have got a minute or two minutes on the others. 
fortunately for me, I got on that start line thinking, yep, switch into race mode. You've got to do battle. You're here to survive and get on with it. I think that's a valid point there. Like they, they are like, uh, I don't know if, 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 if I would have been in your position, I would have been like, okay, you try to try to shave a minute or two off. I just try to, to survive the swim. <laughs> <laughs> And they had the divers down there as well looking for the sharks. So, um, <laughs> the divers, yeah, make sure there's no sharks coming in the bay. Do you know what? I think that would probably be uh, the thing that would make sure I did my best time. I think the yeah, idea. I my best time as well. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not. I mean, there's raising your game and there's trying to outrun a shark, and I think I'm both of those right. are going to be be, be yeah. massive. Absolutely brilliant. Thank so, you. Can I? Sorry, I just can. Can we go one step back? I, I, I would just like like it's been like so quick now. Uh, the evolution from like London and then in Melbourne, uh, like uh, you, you competed for Ghana, obviously, and uh, how did this this happen? Do you, like and also 2006 is quite a long time ago now like i think the, the digital age was not as advanced as it is, is now and stuff do you just like call someone in ghana and say like hey i i want to compete for you yeah so i'm, I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag so when i started doing triathlon at 30 i actually had the aim of trying to go to the athens, athens olympics that was 2004 yes. and so i wasn't going to cut it i wasn't going to cut it um so the next time was 2006 and so i actually emailed emailed the athletics association because i'd done the ghana trials uh back in 96 and and so i got in touch with them and they were they're the ones that actually entered me for 2006 commonwealth games it was actually the athletics association the triathlon association did not exist then so i sort of kick-started the whole thing by competing in 2006 And so wow. it, there is now, so there's now a, a triathlete, triathlon sort of channel in uh, Ghana. Yeah. Yeah, And it started now, by you, by you pushing for it to happen. Yeah, by me competing in the Commonwealth Games, it kick-started the whole thing. Others got on board and others, others are now running it, yeah. Well, and this is, I think, something that I was trying to say at the beginning when you said there's people criticizing you for competing for Ghana because sometimes you just don't know the synergy effects that happen afterwards after you have like you know like thrown the first coin thrown the first you know like just started something somewhere and um, yeah fantastic so great Thank to you. hear yeah no, it, it, you know what is it, I, I will say I will repeat it it's not about me at the end of the day I enjoy competing I enjoy training but if you can leave a legacy when you leave the sport that is important leaving a legacy behind. 100%. Absolutely. So Chris, something that I've, I find really interesting is, is as a lad from, from London uh, with, with a, a Ghanaian mother that mm -hmm. is, is part of the athletics and they're moving into triathlon. Um, one, one place that Niels and I have spoken about a few times is that when you look at the diversity in cycling, there isn't a huge amount. And so through that time, um, did you find yourself being the only non-white middle-aged man in Lycra kind of uh, stood there in your 30s? Yeah, yeah, it was, it, yeah, it was, it was, I mean, it's, triathlon actually was probably, is, and still is more diverse than, than cycling is. In triathlon, you go to a local event, maybe Bedfordshire, wherever it may be, or internationally, Uh, it is more diverse than cycling. So I can't, I, I can't explain that. I, I, I can't, I, I can't fathom it why it's like that but but uh yeah there is a difference when i pop the lycra on and i stand there sometimes i go to go to get my numbers from a village hall and i find out i'm the only black in the village you know <laughs> so uh, 
<laughs> that, that's it's quite interesting. You turn up and you look around and you think, oh, someone's going to call the police in a minute, thinking there's a black guy here. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, you know, so there you yeah. Do you know what? You know, Niels gets the same thing when uh, people hear his accent. They keep thinking that the uh, you know the Germans are coming. It's Europeans. Kick these Europeans out. <laughs> no, I, I, honestly, I had the situations when I when I moved to England quite often. Uh, now less so, but obviously I'm, I'm white. Like yeah. so, then you start talking, and sometimes you feel that the behavior turns different, and you're like, "What's going on?" And I even had this in the cycling community uh, when I started like cycling in the beginning with like clubs, where people just treat you slightly different or uh, ask you questions that they usually wouldn't ask you if I don't it's very difficult to explain but sometimes you come into situations where you don't feel 100% comfortable in but now I've yeah. grown into it like I and I don't want to make this about me but um I I, I enjoy it almost like being you know like the odd one out so yeah it's, it's, and you know what it can be kind of special if you are the odd one out yeah. but but you shouldn't be treated that way because yeah. at the end of the day those people could be in situations where they are the odd one out. And so then they realize what it's like. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, the, the, the interesting thing is, as we were just saying, is that Niels at one point was the only German in the village. And uh, he then... Everybody knew in- me. Yeah, everyone knew you. But then, then he inspired a legacy because one day there was yeah. another German who lived in the village. And so obviously Niels had started a trend. Um, and the reason why I bring this up, of course, Chris, is he left again. there's a big point. Did he leave again? Oh, did he you push him here. out? Because you said you were, you wanted to be the only one. Is, is this no, so he came here, found a woman, got married to her, and a year later they left together. So he was oh, yeah. very efficient. Well. More efficient than I am. I'm so stuck. <laughs> <laughs> but look, I mean, the reason we bring this up, of course, Chris, is, is actually talking about legacy and talking about uh, being something that inspires others. And um, I'm sure, you know, when we look at the lack of diversity in, in, in cycling, you, do you feel... Is, is it one of those things where you you feel like you, you should be not an ambassador because you can't heap everything upon you, but at least being something that people can look up to and say, oh, there's somebody who looks like me who's a great cyclist. I can do this. Yeah, you see, it's funny because remember, I, I'm half white. So I've had a lot of role models who are actually white as well as black. I've never distinguished between a role model because of their colour. Yeah. I've, I've Distinguish between a role model because of their what they've done, really. You know the good things that they've done, yeah. And so, and so, yeah. If I can be an ambassador to others by just competing, okay. At my age, I don't know. I don't bring an age into it because you say as a Christian, we don't bring age into it. But um, but yeah, if if I can be a role model because I'm out there competing and training hard and trying to do things the right way, then that's great. And if I can be a role model, just it doesn't have to be a, a black person that I'm a role model to. Why can't I be a role model, role model to someone who's white? You know, absolutely, absolutely. As I said, you know, for, for, as far as Niels and I are concerned, you're you're our, our role model and superhero at the moment. Uh, we, when we hear about this, yeah, I, yeah, I kind of took up you know cycling and then competed at the Commonwealth Games a triathlon. You know, it's incredible. But actually, so at this point, you know, 2006. You've competed at the Commonwealth Games. You've kick-started triathlon in Ghana. You didn't know that probably at the time, but you, you end up having already done this. And and then then you've transitioned again into into cycling. What was it that made you sort of take that move? Yeah, so obviously um, I ride for North Road. And so I, I think I did my first time trial about 2005 uh, down at club, a club, a club Tuesday night 10. And so I've been for North Road since that period. And so 2010, obviously, I go to Commonwealth Games again in India. 
and I ride the time trial. There's no, there's no triathlon, and I do the time trial. And the Ghana Cycling Federation started in 2007. So I've got in touch with them, and they, they, they said they were happy for me to get my results from my times, and they were happy for me to go and race in India. And so it's just, it just gone from one thing to another, really. Um, and I love time trialing. What is it? So we've had a few time trialists on here. What is it about the time trialing that really, you say you like it. What is it about that discipline that you really get into? I think one, one, I think you've got, to, I always say this, you've got to like the pain. It's lovely going fast as you possibly can, pushing yourself. Um, it's a different it's a different ball game you're against yourself in a sense how how far how fast can you push yourself without breaking and continue that speed for the whole of that duration of that event um it can be really hard to put your finger on it you know a triathlon you've got a mass start with time trial and you've got someone behind you someone in front and and, and it's like almost playing the game of you know chase you know it's it's great it's it's i don't know it's a really weird sport to do but a really rewarding sport to do. It, it, it is. And it's um, talking to other time trialers. The thing that I found fascinating is that it's, it's almost trying to target how you're going to feel as you go over the line. You kind yeah. of, you want to feel uh, bad because you want to have spent all of your energy. And if you go over the line and you're feeling okay and you could have given yeah. more, you're almost kicking yourself as you go over the line. You're 100% right. You've got to finish. You've got to finish. With just nothing left, getting off the bike and collapsing. That's how you want to feel when you finish a time trial. And you're right, you, you just got you can't leave anything out there on the road. Not at all. No, no, you're right, hundred percent. Yeah. So, so Chris, look, you've you the way you've talked about, uh, you know, you've been brilliant at running, fantastic triathlon, again, then super at, at time trialing, uh, and also competing for or applying to compete for Ghana at different points in different different uh, sports internationally. Does make it sound really easy, but you did mention the uh, the knee injury you had and the operation and that kind of stuff. Um, and I know it's actually been a really tough road, I'm sure, for you to all to do all this because you've had to do all your training outside of like a national kind of support. Um, you know, I'm sure the funding for 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 from for, for Ghana for you being in london hasn't been sort of the easiest thing in the world as well so um i'm guessing it's probably been quite a tough road that so you've must have had some some challenges you've had to come overcome through the through that time yeah so obviously any you know as you said the operation um from there on you know as you know as a sports person you get injured all the time i think i've been hit five times by a car by cars i've had five accidents in london um i've been hit by cars but this is doors fine did, did your mum did your mum say I told you so when she said about you not getting on a bike? <laughs> yeah, she did. She did. I think it was one episode I got hit and I've had to get my wife and my mum come to pick me up from the police station where the guy dropped me off. And obviously they, they weren't you know, they were very concerned. And my mum sort of said, you know, told you so. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. He dropped you at the police station. Why not at why not yeah, I the guy I got the guy who knocked me down to drop me at the police station so I could at least, you know, get home, get closer to getting home. Oh, um, I thought he was like, hey, this 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 guy cycled into me and damaged my car. <laughs> Can you arrest him, yeah. please? No, so yeah, it's happened. So yeah, it's happened five times I've been hit. And you just have to pick yourself up every time. You get injuries from running, um, injuries from cycling. And I've had a good physio called John Allen, who I've known since I was about 
14. And he's always looked after me price-wise and treatment-wise, John Allen. And he's a British uh, team athletics physio as well. So I've been fortunate in that way. That's brilliant. And also, but I guess also, as you said, you know, there are times when, you know, you work so hard to qualify for something, particularly as competing is such a passion for yours in these big events. And like you said, you don't quite make, you didn't quite make it with the running uh, a couple of times or, you know, we, we all have these ups and downs and um, often talking to, to athletes, it's not so much about um, how they cope when they're winning because everyone could do that, but it's how do they cope? So, so what, what is it that's kept you going and kept you motivated at the times when it's been, um, when it's been tough to get through? I think two things, two things. Um, one, my faith is you, um, I'm a Christian and my faith has seen me through the times when you're injured like when I'm, as an athlete, I remember being injured for like two or three months, sometimes six months. My faith has seen me through that, you know, just knowing that, knowing that the Lord is there for me, you know, and um, getting me through that period. And also as an athlete, just knowing that one day you will be back out there training again. You will be back out there competing again. You've got to have that faith. You will get over that injury and you will get back out there training again. You've got to be positive about that. The element behind both of those is the um, is that sense of community, whether it's the faith in the church or whether it's the athletics club and the people around you. It's it's making sure you've got that network. Yeah, so my wife is very supportive. Um, and there are times I've been injured and she's just been supportive about it. Um, always encouraged me that I will get over the injury. Apart from that, I've not really had anybody else around me except for my physio or my wife. I've never really had anybody else so supportive about me, about my injuries. So, yeah, it's, it's, it can be a hard road. As you know, anyone's been injured, it does take you to a dark place where you just sort of get kind of down. And and, and it can be tough to get, you know, even this year, I had a knee injury after the Ironman I did in, in June. And I, we thought it might be, I might need an operation on my, on my knee. And John Allen said, give it a couple of weeks. And the knee healed. And I was back in training back in July this year. So, um yeah, you do, you, do, you do go to a place you don't want to be sometimes. Do you think faith has become stronger since you decided to go this athlete route or have you always been very um, close to church? Actually, I think you're right. My faith has actually, has actually become stronger because I've had the more challenges since I've gone down the route of being an athlete and being a triathlete and now being a time trialist. Yeah, it's got stronger, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought because um, just... From looking back into my, my sports career when I was a canoeer back then, and whenever I had an injury, there were so many situations that were just out of everyone's control. Like mm-hmm. it was really like I couldn't do anything about it. The only thing I could do was rest or hoping mm-hmm. that uh, people that were trying to put me back together, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like doing the right thing. And um, then all of a sudden, so basically, I, I stopped my canoeing career because I, I broke my uh, my my uh, my wrist mountain biking just before the world championships, and um, I, I decided at the time no I I won't be fit back in time. So I could imagine that like situations like this they are so far be- beyond your control, definitely uh, bring you bring you closer to to your faith. So yeah, I can imagine. and and and. And 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 for you, you don't understand because you've got to use your upper body. So, you know, when when that part of that body that gets injured, you you need to use it for that sport. It can be demoralising. It can be demoralising. Yeah. Yeah. You can, there's nothing you can do, and the event is coming. The date is there. Yeah. Crazy. But but pray. But pray for me. I, I just pray, and and uh, I've always come. I've always been brought through. You know. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, it's, it is a great sign of the power of prayer as well that you've uh, that you've made it. And uh, interesting, uh, looking at the other support that you must must have, I think particularly looking at um, going to Belgium for the world champs and looking at the just the perhaps the more sort of mm. mundane, but the financial support from Ghana and, and, and those sorts of things. Um, mm. Is is that is that there to help you get there? I mean, do they manage to get you a coach and a, 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 a sort of like pay for your travel over there, accommodation, bikes, or anything like that? Yeah, so um, you know, it's a great cost. You know, they, Ghana doesn't have the funding. Remember, it's only been around since two thousand and seven. Uh, my my cycling club's been around since eighteen eighty five. That gives oh. you a picture. Yeah, yeah? It gives you. A picture. They're building. They're trying to build something from scratch. And trying to go at like warp speed, you know, trying to get somewhere within 20, 30 years to try and catch up with other nations. It's a hard thing. So there's no funding available unless we go to the Commonwealth Games. So Commonwealth Games, there is funding that's given by the sports body. But for world championships, there's no funding at all for world championships. So I've had to fund myself. I went to Yorkshire in 2019 and I had to fund myself. Me and my wife went uh, as you know, to Belgium, my wife had to be my swanny <laughs> because of COVID nineteen rules, I guess. Yeah, but, well, I, I needed someone to help me with the driving. Uh, I needed someone just to help me on race day. You know, just helping me put my stuff in the bag to get it to the race car. You know, so my wife came along. My she's from Slovakia, by the way, and she was my my swanny for the for the whole time we were there. Um, and, and was, need, that, need, was that? Was that an experience to enrich your relationship or uh, did you need two days away from each other at the other end of it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, it, it brought us closer together because um, she's she's been on this road, this journey ever since we got married in 2005. And um, do you know what? When you take on this journey of doing sports, you, you cannot do it without a partner, a wife or a husband who's understanding and and she's been understanding throughout. And you know what? If I said to her, could you leave, I'll leave my son for her to coach my children? She knows exactly what they need to do in becoming one of the best in the world. Because she's been around triathlon, time trialing. World, I went to the World Championships in swimming in 2009. She knows so much knowledge that you know, I could, she, could, she could take anyone to the World Championship and she'll look after them. She knows how you need to prepare mentally and physically on on race day she's great so good just one thing that i picked up there is i saw you got married in 2005 so yeah. I, I can imagine it was like okay um so where are we going on honeymoon well melbourne because of the commonwealth <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, uh, so, so that's so it's interesting you see this is the, the point where you're saying so 2006 comes along and uh, dad passes away and she's studying oh. i go i go alone to melbourne and um, it was a tough year, tough year, 2006. But, um, you know, uh, you know, if anything, we have to encourage each other and we have to support each other. And I think that's what relationships are about. You know, some people have goals and, and you know, she was there praying for me to do well. And I think I did well in 2006. I think I did well. I think I did all right in triathlon. Um, but yeah, yeah. She's, yeah, she's a great support. I couldn't do it without her. So good to Brilliant. Hear. Brilliant. Yeah. So, so, Chris, is she in the room? She's in, yeah, she's, she's yeah, watching. With the hammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, Chris, Chris, you've said all the right things. Well done, mate. Fantastic. And it's obviously, it, it is a, a partnership in, in that approach that you guys have had. So, and, and when you were in Belgium, it was something that um, 
I always think, you know, obviously you've got the travel there, the preparation uh, and getting yourself there. But a little bit like that Commonwealth Games, you said, you know, once you get to the start line, does it does it feel different? Like when it's on race day and it's the world champs, does it feel different to to to, uh, to another race? Yeah, it feels. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. We spent two days two days trying to get accreditation. That took a lot of energy out of us. Managers meeting, kit inspection, come race day, all that you have to forget about all those struggles. Now you're there on the start line, and you just have to go with it, enjoy it as much as you can, and work as hard as you can. And 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 that was our focus when we got there on race day. Well, yeah, you just mentioned the uh, kit inspection. I I think you had to change your saddle, right? Yeah, so the kit, uh, yeah, so with the bike inspection, um, my normal setup, which which I got used to for about a year and a half, was then had to be changed back to the UCI regulation. So the seat had to come back, the bars had to come back, and so I was out of a, in a position that I wasn't used to riding in. So now what I've done is I've just left it as it is, and I'm going to race on it, train on it. So when I go to Commonwealth Games next year, I'll be used to that setup. So good, Birmingham, Brilliant. by the way, and uh, yeah. yeah. Mike, if you want to get tickets tomorrow, the ballot closes. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For everybody. Uh, actually, by the time this goes out, the ballot will have closed. So we uh, hopefully we've got our tickets by then as well. But we're all putting in for the ballot to make sure we can come along and uh, and watch the cycling and hopefully cheer you on, Chris, with any luck. Uh, yeah, I yeah, I don't have to worry about the ballot, you see, guys, because uh, I've got because I've got ID. I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> well, and, and just look out for us because there will be like these two little guys. That's us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. on the side with a massive Ghana flag and a yeah, yeah, yeah. sticker on top yeah yeah <laughs> we'll be there we will be there um, yeah. if I could just say one yeah go on if I could just say one thing so but the Irish team though I've got to mention the Irish team um, they were led by a guy called um, Mr Neenan and he was their team manager Alan Neenan and we were in the same hotel we had no idea we were going to be in the same hotel as them but They looked after us as if we were one of their own. And you know the Irish, when you were the Irish, you always have a good old laugh. And um, they looked after us. They gave us all the information we needed to know. And actually on the race day, we went in convoy. I went in convoy with them, with their cars down to the race start. And their mechanic, Sandy Gilchrist, he's a legend in pro cyclist. He's a legend in bike setups. He's worked with David Miller. He was checking over my bike, make sure it was race ready. So the Irish team, I have to mention that, It would not have really all taken place if they had not been part of this uh, operation. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that is, yeah. that is such a great thing to hear. And I think that uh, sportsmanship um, and that looking mm. out for the community is fantastic. So, uh, mm. oh, that is such a good thing mm. to hear. Um, Because there was mm. this one thing that I wanted to ask, actually, and it goes, I guess, very much in line with it. Um, I don't know if... Mike has a similar question, but for me, I was always wondering if you go to the world champs and then you have like all these pro riders and then you have all these riders from other nations that uh, are great in their nations, however, not uh, on, on any pro contract. Is there like a difference in treatment? Like uh, uh, on the one hand side, first of all, from the organizer, do they treat maybe the pros a little bit better? than the others and then also from the athletes point of view do they rather stick in their in a, in a circle and then uh, or is this very a, a very like super welcoming atmosphere um uh, I, i think they treat everyone the same the kit inspections we were treated all the same the bike inspections everyone was treated the same 
but of course we're competing for Ghana, so we didn't have one of these like caravans or uh, big uh, trucks that all these other guys had. Actually, we had a little white tent to go in. So me and my wife were in a tent for a couple of hours. It's quite romantic, actually. So um, <laughs> like a little bell tent. <laughs> we had a tent to ourselves, and then and then it got ruined because we had we had the, the Pakistani team come in. They were lovely. They were lovely, and I think the Ukrainians came in as well. And my wife, she speaks a bit of language. She said hello to them in her language. So they're neighbours, you see. So there you oh. are. It's a benefit having a wife from Slovakia, you see. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, so there wasn't there, was, there, was, there wasn't much of a difference really. I, I, I think I think they treated me. They treated me on race day. I was treated absolutely fantastic by everybody. UCI officials treated me absolutely fantastic on race day. I don't think there was any. I couldn't notice any difference on race day. Not at all. No, no, no. Oh, that's good to hear. So, uh, so what was it like in the race itself? Because of course, it's you know a fabulous place to go to, Flanders. Um, you know, you've got lots of crowds there and all that kind of stuff. Um, I know you're sat there probably looking at your numbers and making sure you're hitting your power. But was it, um, you know, how did it feel out on the road? Um, I, first of all, I've got to admit this. and This might be quite bad. I don't actually have a power meter. Um, I basically just rode. I just I rode without a power meter. I've never used one before. Um um, I've never had help to help to set that up on my bike, so that'd be quite good to have. The crowd were fantastic. If anything, I didn't get a boo at all. I know there was some booing going on, but um, when I was out on the road, I could hear people actually shouting my name. Um, wow. It was absolutely fantastic crowd, actually. Uh, it was tens of thousands of people. I think you obviously saw it on television. Um, I mean, I did the Glasgow time trial. That was that was unbelievable. And Yorkshire 2019 World Champs. But I've got to admit, the world at Belgium topped a lot. They topped a lot. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic crowd. It it did look absolutely fabulous when you could see how many people had come out to cheer. And I think, you know, uh, with the year that every last sort of like 18 months everyone's had, you know, live sport coming to your town and it's your national sport, you'd, of course you'd get out there. But it was brilliant to see so much support. Um, and good to hear you didn't get booed as well, because I, I saw in the road race, uh, Julian Alaphilippe came off the front and uh, he got nothing but boos from the crowd in about the last 800 metres as they were gutted that one of their own riders didn't win it. But he uh, loved it. I honestly had the feeling like everybody was booing him and he was just so enjoying it. And I was like, yeah, I'm on the right track here, guys. Yeah, booing is just, you know, showing that I'm right. <laughs> I think he's 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 a, he's a Frenchman, so he's quite hard. He can take it. I, th I think he knew. He, I think he knows. It's probably a bit of sportsmanship going on there. And um, yeah, yeah. I think you know he's he's a great cyclist, and uh, he knew the chance to take, and he took the chance, and he went for it. And I, th I think he's yeah. I don't think it bothered him at all, did it? No, I I don't think so. You know, you just be. And if anything, you'd just try and stretch it out for a couple more seconds, wouldn't you, if your crowd started booing, you know? And enjoy, enjoy the booze a bit more, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was a really good race to watch. That, Like you said, he took his chance and went for it. That was great. And and, and talking of the finish, how did you feel when you crossed the line? Was it, um, was it how you wanted to feel as you got across the line with the crowd that was there? Yeah, it was. I mean, I mean, the cobbles, we went over cobble sections and that was quite tough. It was almost like going for a washing machine. Um, <laughs> like on a roller coaster. But um, yeah, it was, yeah, I, I wasn't, I didn't feel that great on the day. I did feel a bit ill on the day. Um, I, I struggled breathing on the day. For some reason, I just couldn't breathe properly. And that was a bit odd. 
Um, it's not like me, but um, yeah, when I finished, I was, I was, you know, I, I finished the way I wanted, best, best I could do, I could say. I think you always got to say there's a bit more to do. There's always another, you can always go that one bit better. And that's what I believe. I think the day you feel that you can't go one, that one bit better, you, it's the day to pack up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's interesting that you say that because it's, um, I think it's something that drives a lot of career athletes is that chasing down that, yeah, I could do better. You know, that's amazing. I hit that time. So what's my next time I can chase or my next like target, yeah. uh, which is fabulous. It's, it's just so interesting to hear your story so far, Chris, and, you know, everything from the, the running through the triathlon through to the cycling has just been been fabulous. And it, you know, you've, it already makes you sit there and go, so so what next? I mean, so far you've competed for uh, internationally on di- different things. You've started, kickstarted the... Um, uh, the, triathlon. the triathlon in Ghana. You've been part of the cycling for Ghana, uh, and you've competed at the the national in um, in swimming as well. So uh, the question is, people would say, so what's next? I mean, I'm not sure if they have a darts team, um, but uh, I can always do bowls. And I get to sixty, couldn't I? To yeah. do the bowls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I have no doubt there's another three or four international events that you are going to compete for. Absolutely. Right. But but. Uh, but <laughs> But thinking in the in the closer term, so obviously I'm guessing the Commonwealth Games is your is your next big focus. Yeah, yeah. The team manager Shaban um, has already approached me, which is good because I only had a month to prepare for the Worlds. I only knew in August that I was actually going to be entered for the Worlds this year. So I actually now can prepare for the whole winter exactly how I want to prepare for the Commonwealth next year in Birmingham. So that's the next big thing. So that, that gives me a bit more scope now, good few months to bed down for the winter and to train for the well, for the Commonwealth, sorry, next next year in 2022. And, uh, and then, sorry, you go. And is there anything you're looking for to add into this time? So now you've got longer to think about, longer to, to, to plan for it. Do you start well, to think about longer, different types of things into your training? So for example, do you sit there and think, well, is it worth um, looking at the bike? Is it worth looking at a power meter? Is it worth looking at the other things uh, when you've got so much time to c- prepare? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm looking at changing the, the because, you know, the guys who actually drive the cars for you, the race drivers, are really, really good. And so I've got, I've, I've never changed the um, setup. I've got to get a bigger, bigger sprocket. And so I'm going to change the setup and go, from, I rode in the 53, so I'm definitely going to go up to a 55. Um, I want to get a coach. If I can get a coach to help me through the winter and to the summer, I want to take my PBs down for 10 and 25 and 50 miles. I'm going to, I'm going to demolish them next year, hopefully. And so, yeah, you're right. You're thinking now ahead for the winter, laying, laying down the layers ready for the summer. Absolutely. Uh, do you use a Zwift at all, by the way, the sort of, or any of the indoor bike stuff? Very old school, turbo in a shed and put the session, do the sessions, you know, various, you know, time sessions and on the turbo. I know why Mike asked this, because he wants to get you into our uh, Zwift team time trial uh, group. There is, <laughs> absolutely, there is, there is one quirk with Zwift, which is that if you first join and you've not been in it, you always end up having to start at the lowest leagues and each time when you qualify you you kind of go through the the, the next leagues so okay. um so for example well look if, if ever you do want to try zwift mate just I'll for the one around. time it'll be really helpful we'll all just sit behind yeah. you in virtual place and just just follow you around the course excellent excellent <laughs> <laughs> excellent well look and then um 
I don't. I, I, with the the focus on the Commonwealth Games, do you have like a target after that, or something that you want to to go for next? Even if it's not in the sport. I mean, as you said, you've. I mean, you've already left a fantastic legacy. But is there something more you want to leave um, uh, in the sporting world? Now, add one thing to that, um, because also I think there are rumours that there might be a World Championships coming up uh, on African soil uh, in the next couple of years. Would that be like something potentially as a as a target? No, I don't think so. My wife just put her hands on her head. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think the focus for me, I've, you know, I've got two boys, so the focus for me is Commonwealths next year. Um, I, I still want to keep time trialing, and you know, because it's something you can do in your late in your fifties. Is some you know, guys in their fifties knocking out like low fifties, low fifty minutes for for twenty five. So, um, I think I can give a bit more to time trialing. It doesn't take up as much time as well because triathlon takes up a lot of your time. You're having to swim, run, train, bike, train, and time trialing takes up a lot, lot less of your free time. So um, I, w- I would, deep down, I'd love to do well in the Commonwealth, get a higher position than I did in Glasgow. And maybe, maybe, I don't know, we have to just see. It's just a maybe. The world champs are in Scotland, as you know, in 2023. Um, it would be nice to go out there because it's on home turf. And I have a lot of support in Scotland. Uh, the SNP members of Parliament have already said to me, "If you come up, we're going to be out on the line in the route supporting you." Uh, someone's even offered their house for me to go and stay in uh, to prepare. So, um, but Commonwealth Games first. Brilliant, brilliant. I mean, because I think we we haven't covered this actually. Your, your daily day job is actually to looking after these people. Yeah, basically. yeah. Go on, Chris. What what is your 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 day job? My day job is uh, I'm a doorkeeper in the House of Commons and it involves shift work. Uh, doorkeepers wear like messengers and also security within, uh, in, within and around the House of Commons chamber and committees. So our, our job is basically involving working with the members of parliament. Fantastic. So, so not only, so, so if you are looking for influential people in uh, high places, Chris, you can just, you know, put a note literally put a note in someone's hand like uh around you know just to make sure that there's sponsorship there's funding for cycling <laughs> you know you, you could perhaps even get road you know get a road closed for when you need to go training so your mum doesn't have to complain or resurfaced hit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. no comment yeah exactly so if you need if you need your road resurfaced near you just uh, write a note to chris at uh no i'm joking i'm joking um <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant, Chris. Well, look, um, now, as you said, you know, we, we've talked about your, let's call it Belgian adventure uh, with with, yeah. with the world. Um, but it comes as part of a huge amount and a huge career of um, of sport. And um, look, you know, this is part of our podcast. I mean, uh, it's an opportunity just to thank anybody um, who's helped you uh, along the way. Because I think, as you've already said a couple of times, you've thanked people and said, you know, it's a team effort. But uh, yeah, just looking back, are there any sort of big uh, people that you'd that you'd say thank you to? Obviously, my faith, I, I thank God, you know, for just getting me through this time. You know, I'm physically quite quite still healthy and fit for my age. Um, I'm grateful to my wife for being understanding and supportive. Um, also, I got to think of the Irish team recently. They were very supportive. They actually worked with the Ghana team out in Tokyo as well. So that was quite nice to have that partnership continue. Um, Endura, my sponsors, um, they, they actually took a risk, actually, they've given me a lot of kit and stuff and I think they took a risk and hopefully it's paid off by me doing the worlds 
And I think there's a couple of great shots that, that have happened. Um, my physio, John Allen, very supportive. Um, and also my work, my work in the House of Commons, they've always always been supportive and they try to give me a little bit of time off when they can as well, coming up to competitions. So I've got to be thankful to my work as well. And uh, my church, my church, I'm in Tottenham, uh, are very supportive and they were so happy I did the World Championships. Very, very supportive indeed. Brilliant. Brilliant. Great, Chris. It's, it's also, it's, it's just that lovely... Um, uh, as we often get with athletes when they're saying thank you, there's some professional like supporting my sport and there's a whole lot of people that are, you know, indirectly supporting you and making sure that, yes. that, that yes. things work for you. That is brilliant to hear. Um, so, look, Chris, we are going to be uh, following you, obviously, and supporting you all the way through to the Commonwealth Games. Um, if people want to follow you on social media or, or, or sort of watch your progress uh, or even I have to say, go on to Instagram and see these photos of you with your, uh, you know, all these different people through the years. Um, how do they, how can they follow you? Oh yeah. They can follow me on Instagram. You know, I'm, I'm quite a quiet person, you know, guys. Um, I've always been just sort of got on with it. You know, you train, you get on with it, you race and that's it. But on Instagram, you can follow me on Instagram. It's Simon's Chris. Uh, and, and there you are. You can follow me on there. Um, I'm, I'm just quite, I'm quite only an ordinary guy, you know. I just enjoy competing. I enjoy making friends through cycling. Um, sport is something that can bring people together, and and I enjoy that. Look, we're talking now, you know, we're from different parts of of backgrounds, uh, you know, different parts of the world, and yet we're here. We are talking, and and it's wonderful, don't you think? Yeah, hundred percent. First of all, um, the your, your Instagram handle, we will put it in the description of the podcast. So if um, just click on the link and you will get to the uh, Instagram handle. And then second of all, this is absolutely it. And I think this is what cycling makes so in inspiring. Often mm. you meet like other people and you think the only thing you have in common is like cycling. And then you realize there's so much more that in yeah. like, even um, when we speak sometimes to some of our listeners, as an example, and they say, most of the time it's the ordinary people that we speak to that really trigger something in them and mm. um, as mike said earlier like I, I i saw the article about you and i was like i want to speak to him i really would like to find out more and yeah absolutely fantastic and now we have the chance to speak to you absolutely brilliant it's wonderful what you guys do actually and um yeah, I think it's just it's a nice way for people to know that, you know what, under it all, athletes are quite ordinary people at the end of the day. And what, I'll give you an invitation. It'd be nice to see you guys at the Commonwealths and perhaps you could do a podcast up there. Perhaps I could get you someone famous to do a podcast with as well. How about that? Yeah, that let's do that. Be a fantastic oh, we will be a Honestly, yeah. we will be there. I just uh, We yeah. just got a van this year, so we will Excellent. be up there with the Velocino van. Excellent. Yeah, I'll try and get you someone like Gant, whoever, Gant Thomas or someone, Cav, whoever turns up, we'll nab them and we'll get them to do a podcast of you guys. What we'll do is, we'll <laughs> do, well, Chris, Chris, what we'll do is we'll say to yeah. them, can they just go and wait in the tent over there whilst we're talking to Chris? <laughs> we'll just... Not with my wife, of course. No, 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 no. no. No, no, no. <laughs> we'll, we'll, do, we'll, we'll leave them waiting while the real superstar gets the interview. Absolutely. All right, <laughs> Excellent. Well, look, Chris, thank you so much for yeah. coming on the podcast and sharing uh, a, a, a bit of your story. It has been truly fascinating hearing from someone who's been so dedicated to um, 
you know, the different sports that they've done and promoting it within, uh, you know, the country they lived in as well. Um, so, so it is absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us, Chris. Yeah, and if I can just encourage anyone of any colour, just get on a bike, cycle to work, cycle for training, do competitions. We've, we've done it. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Chris. Yes, guys. So let's take inspiration from Chris, everybody. Start setting some goals for next year. Maybe not the Commonwealth Games, but start setting some goals. Get out there, riding your bike. And look, out there to the cycling community. Community's played a big role in Chris's success so far. So maybe we can help with the community again because if you're looking to support Chris in some way you know he's looking for power meters he's looking for so perhaps we should help him with some indoor cycling he'd get to see his wife a little bit more often all these sorts of things maybe we can help him so uh, get in contact with the podcast and we'll put you through to Chris to see if there's any support we can give him who knows uh, what's out there as for now we should all take our inspiration for Chris hop on our bikes and get out there and set our own goals because the best stories have not yet been written.